0: Basically, after yesterday's show, I kind of concluded that the most, um, the one of the best things we can do is to critically think the uh, narrative that is uh, being uh, spread about the country and has been spread for some time, and learn how to critically think about it and uh, you know understand what's going on. So I see that as my uh, student uh, professor relationship today. I want to start off, of course, with some local things that. Uh, it's it's always kind of frustrating to see uh, ideologically driven commissions uh, uh, not listen to common sense, you know, uh, not listen to um, financial data and demographics. And we always have that here locally, in case you're listening from somewhere else in the country, in our um, way in which the liberal whites treat the minorities. And in this particular community, Gainesville, not here where we are in the Piney Woods, but in Gainesville, the town is basically divided into east and west. <coughs> and uh, basically, never, t- never the twain shall meet. In fact, it's getting bigger and bigger. The, 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 the division between the east and the west is getting bigger and bigger. And there are a number of factors for that, uh, which I'll discuss here with you for a little while from my post of observation having been in this community since 1961, I think I've got a pretty good historical perspective. Uh, Having um, lived in downtown Gainesville, having uh, lived in in Gainesville and several different places over the years, I think I've got a pretty good feel for that community. But it's turned, uh, the governance of it has turned um, strictly ideological lately. For, and it's 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 run a muck of itself in several ways. One, it uh, somebody decided the charter should have seven commissioners, and that's muddied the waters and mucked up the works. And so now you've got a, a five a bobbing, a seven bobbing heads there, plus a mayor who has an inflated sense of himself. Uh, they're getting nothing done, and and uh, haven't gotten anything done for a long time. They, in fact, they've gone backwards. And and uh, they've got all everybody from the same ideological party, if you will. Um, so, some of them are not on the commission, yet, quote unquote, dry behind the ears, um, really don't have much experience with the community. But since they're only 10 percent of the people voting in Gainesville, uh, the other 90 percent have decided to heck with it. You know, we can't make, get through these people. You've got an end, of course, of the 10 percent, fewer than the 10 percent actually elect these people so they can get elected maybe with 6 percent of the population. Think about that. And then they go off and they really don't speak for the population. Uh, They speak for their ideology. They are top down driven decision makers. They don't uh, listen to the grassroots and then interpret for the grassroots what the grassroots need in terms of policy and uh, and uh, you know budgets and things of that nature they're the other way around they'll they'll defund the cops or they'll they'll uh, try all these uh antics that we they've read about in a book um and and the, and the rub is that they they influence the utility which is the big cash cow for that community and by influencing the the utility uh, they really have uh, got uh Uh, A chokehold on the community because uh, they can borrow money to cover and borrow money from the utility, if you will, to cover their mistakes politically for their ideologically driven kinds of programs and entitlements and experiments and things of that nature. And so over the years, the city of Gainesville has gone deeper into debt. And notice, by the way, students, I'm speaking extemporaneously. I don't have any notes. So watch how the professor does it. Uh, this is all just, uh, you know, as I'm thinking through it and putting the narrative together for you and you're willing to, you're entirely able, if you want to, to challenge it and amend it or whatever. But this is a historical perspective from 1961 and having lived all about that city. Um, so we have a, we have an increasingly uh, distant type of governance that is not in contact with the people it more in contact with its uh, ideologies. It all started really uh, whenever we moved away from the five commissioners into the seven, and then we got P. Green underhand as the as the as the, com- the commissioner, and uh, you know some more of the university liberals, Warren Nielsen and these characters, and they got in there and began to ply their trade uh, at the expense of the public. And the biggest boondoggle to begin with, of course, was the. Uh, burning of trees to supply energy for uh, the whole big deal of fossil fuel replacement and they bought into that and broke the bank and doing it and didn't think through it financially and followed a lot of rabbits down a lot of holes and got us in a situation meanwhile east gainesville languishes and there's a couple of reasons for that number one is the county commission which is the twin to the city commission run once again by one party, that's the Democrats, it's single party Politburo rule, uh, across the street, killed off Plum Creek, which would have been developed out in east uh, part of the county, and would have uh, f- helped East Gainesville, and, and the, the line for East Gainesville moves all the time, but it's probably traditionally been Main Street East, uh, and, and, and and so Main Street East suffered because there's nothing to develop the east side of the county there's no development on the east side of the county you have hawthorne uh, out there on the east side of the county but you have to remember that the purpose of hawthorne and areas around uh, putnam county and all have always been a winter fishing spots for the yankees Uh, the northerners would come down uh, and rent a little place on a lake and boy they were in heaven it was heaven uh, they didn't want a big town. They didn't want any development. They cooked their own meals, catch their own meals. And um, they'd have a, uh, have a place there where um, uh, they could winter and thrive and get along quite economically. And that really was the kind of purpose of the east side of the county. Topographically, it's different. If you take a look at the water, uh, the water came up to the middle of the state. That's why we have the highlands here where I-75 runs down the highest part of the state and if you take a look at the land here in the middle of the state it's the most fertile land uh, from the georgia border down maybe from lake city down uh, maybe a little bit north of that down to basically ocala and that's because the oceans pushed up the land rising from uh by golly that must have been before climate change pushed up the land from the west pushed up the land from the east Uh, If you look at the land east and west of the highlands in the middle of the state, it's salty. Uh, It's not as completely different. And as it receded, it left a lot of lakes uh, over there on the east side of the county, which were the tourist attractions for years uh, and decades, really, for the Yankees. So there's been nothing there in Hawthorne to really spur development. They do have a CXS railroad. They do have 301, which comes out of Jacksonville. And goes down to the middle of the state and on, uh, and it does have a little bit of economy from that, not a lot. <clears throat> and so nothing's going on. And then, of course, uh, you take East Gainesville, which is where all the um, uh, less desirable property would have been. Uh, you, you have to look at the time frame because Kincaid Road is a very beautiful road. Uh, that that that's a little different situation, but still. It's uh, an old cemetery and this area is out there in East Gainesville, uh, just east of uh, uh, Waldo Road. So you, you, you have um, uh, a couple of things working against it. The land is not like the land is uh, in the center of the state or even over on the western side of the county. And uh, it's um, also been more cheaply developed over the years. Uh, there was basically that area and then downtown Gainesville and a little bit of area to the west. 34th Street was out in the country. If you go take a look at Woodland Terrace in that area, you have uh, mailboxes, or did have until recently, rural mailboxes. So you really have a town that was sort of uh, defined right around the center of Gainesville. And Gainesville, there were no corporations owning businesses here. You had a JCPenney and a Belks, but other than that, there was a town square and the businesses around there were all family owned and uh, there were Fred Stocks Men's Shop. Uh, there was a hardware store, Chitties, a bunch of things were all locally owned by local families. And um, so it was accessible from East Gainesville. Uh, but in the bigger, brighter scheme of things, uh, when the interstate came along. And we developed the west side, therefore, of the county uh, downtown languished. And with it, of course, East Gainesville. Now, there's been an attempt to revitalize downtown, but mostly it's been bars and catering to the students. There's really not much downtown of substance. They left the county offices down there, and uh, that was supposed to attract people. Of course, they hog all the parking, so there's really no place for people to come. So basically what you have in downtown Gainesville are nightclub life, uh, some restaurant life, uh, and For the longest time, walkability was hazardous because the Francis House and other things attracted the homeless and the hungry who would actually hit on the people who were walking around spending the money in the restaurants. And that became distasteful. So now you have the issue of of everything even more moving to the West and, of course, less and less attention paid to the East. And it doesn't help. I'm going to be very frank about this that the black culture cannot clean up its own mess. Uh, If you take a look at all the shootings, uh, they're all black gangs, Uh, they're all young, Uh, they're all obviously without parental guidance. Uh, They don't go to school, one can assume. They don't have an economy or a job, one can assume. The drug business is their job and that's how they support themselves and the gangs become their surrogate families. So that's really the perception and you have to understand a lot of the way people act and respond is strictly due to perception so the perception of East Gainesville is worse than it was when I was here um, At least in segregation we had a we had a minority community Fifth Avenue was a thriving place filled with shops it had restaurants it had uh, it had uh, 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 a funeral home it had dry cleaners it had Fifth Avenue was a thriving place before integration. Uh, We had a high school, Lincoln High, on the east side of town that took care of the community and took care of the kids and the teachers taught, had taught the kids' mothers and integration, the the, the very uh, forceful act by the federal government and Kennedy and all that crowd who were Yankees, uh, just abruptly tore that school out of the community in the middle of the year and left nothing in its place. And ever since then, with no community school and uh, things have gone downhill and it's become uh, more crime driven among the youth. And there's no answer to it. Now, along come some of the basic requirements of living uh, that have been asked for in East Gainesville, but never materialized for all the factors I'm citing. There was a Win dixie there. It now is the place where the sheriff's office is. Wendixie couldn't make it because of theft, um, let, let's face it. And uh, so there's not been any food uh, supplier. Re- re- uh, and we, all of a sudden we have this uh, one I, guy that was going to come along and uh, this latest business that was going to be. And this is what I'm talking about today is the uh, withdrawal of that interest by that business owner uh, putting a grocery store, a food supplier, if you will, in East Gainesville. And um, that is really, uh, the, the city commission is not bright enough to know that they have helped cause that. And 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 by their decisions, they've helped cause it, or by their indecisions, we they, they find decisions. But their indecisions become decisions. And um, so now we have in this situation where uh, we, we don't have any schools there. The only reason we have, Uh, The only reason we put the IB program in Eastside High School was to ensure that there was somebody there going to school. Uh, Eastside High School is basically in the east side of town, which is basically minority, although there are whites. And and, uh, uh, the thinking is, and I'm I'm on the inside of this, I know how this works. You put one of those super programs anywhere and the uh, people with the kids Who I wanted, and generally there are people with money, and they take an interest in their kids, and they're uh, family-oriented. Will send that child into the bowels of hell if that's where the best opportunity is to be educated. So the IB program, quite wisely, the International Baccalaureate program, was is a school within a school, if you will, put inside Eastside High School, and that school. Uh, uh, teaches all the the brightest of the brightest, they do extremely well, and it was done deliberately to keep that place from drying up and just becoming kind of a uh, a graffiti uh, wall uh, school. Uh, The decision by Santa Fe College, which I know an awful lot about, having been a Senate president there, uh, to go east uh, of Main Street stopped. When actual black leaders came to us and said, don't put an extension of Santa Fe College east of Main Street because it will just be filled with crime. This is what we were told by quietly. And I'm spilling the beans here a little bit by people in this community um, who are black. Stop it where it is. Stop it at Sixth Street. So if you come down Sixth Street now in this community, you'll see that we put the Santa Fe College East Campus. At Sixth Street. And we had to do some gentrification. We had to expand the footprint of the college and and, uh, take uh, take over some old black housing uh, that was really dilapidated. And there were the radical blacks who cried out, you're destroying our character. Uh, the character was destroyed by the federal government with integration. Okay, let's just be clear about that. That's what destroyed the black community was the federal government with integration, which was this theory that everybody needed to have equal opportunity in the same building. Uh, it was crazy, but it really was, and it was a very violent time. Everybody knew it was goofy. Um, there were fights on campuses. Uh, It was a nasty, nasty time. And, and, you know, we can't return to that if we we do some more meddling by the federal government, which they're doing, by the way. So here we have a situation where uh, uh, we've got a problem. We've got no economy on the east side of town. We have a Walmart. uh, But, you know, it's not not comfortable for people to go there. Uh, They're always looking over their shoulder on the way out to the parking lot. Um, The the, the story I've heard from the guys who work the doors on security is if somebody walks out with something, just let them have it rather than chase them down. It's too much of a stigma attached to chasing them down and we'll write the thing off. That word gets out and, and then you have a problem with anybody else coming in to East Gainesville. Now You won't read any of this. What I'm telling you, students, you won't read any of this in the Gainesville Sunset. You won't hear it on Channel 20. Um, the Word Scott Files, with the Oracle here speaking to you, You, uh, the professor, is the one who is carrying the history of the community and can talk about it extemporaneously the way I am. So I don't hold out much hope for any economic development in East Gainesville. Um, it's been lip service to it forever. When uh, my, my former student and good friend Charles Gostin was a commissioner, he had all these grandiose plans for... Bringing in development in East Gainesville, of course, and all of them fizzled uh, because you got the whites working behind your back against you. Um, And uh, uh, it's 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 um, it's it's just a sad story that doesn't ever see the light of day. So I don't know what the solution is going to be. It certainly isn't under the current template where the government, the trust in the government uh, is at zilch right now in the city of Gainesville. Uh, Nobody believes much of what they say. Uh, They've been rude to the public who's asked questions. Unfortunately, they see the school board of Alachua County as an extension of the same ideology as the city of Gainesville government. They also see the Alachua County Commission as an extension of the same ideology. Uh, A couple of those commissioners on there were handpicked by Hutchison and that crowd who are just uh, you know eccentric liberals, um, and who also are the ones who killed uh, anything going on with Plum Creek, um, betrayed those people, and I advised those people. I had them on my show years ago, and I told them you're going to be betrayed. Oh, we've been talking to Cornell, we've been talking to and they've been assuring us, and by Bull Roar, I said you watch those guys as you would an adder fanged. Because they will betray you in a heartbeat. They'll smile. And as Hamlet says, can a villain smile and smile and smile and be a villain? Yes, yes. For the devil has the power to assume a pleasing shape. Okay? That is the whole riddle of that story. The devil has the power to assume a pleasing shape. Evil is deceptive and it exists, believe me and usually exist in the form of putting your self interests ahead of everybody else. And that's what's wrong with the current government situation around here. These uh, legislative people, uh, these commissioners, um, they put their own interests ahead of everybody else. And there's nobody to checkmate them. They limit the attendance in the meetings. Uh, They browbeat uh, banana pudding Harvey Ward, who's a bully. Uh, Brow beats people. He he likes. He's been a bully all his life. I bet you, and he likes to push people around and get in their face. Uh, you know, uh, that's the type of dude he is. So so um, uh, you know, he does, He's shut down. Squel. You know, Lauren. How? Let's see. A girl named. How does a girl name? Boy, boy named Sue? A boy named Lauren that we have as the mayor. A boy named Lauren uh, really is the same kind of way. Uh, rude and and uh, and uh, uh, confrontational with the public, and self-assured about his own position and point of view, and everybody else's. If it doesn't line up and agree with this, is you know takes a back seat. That's the way it works around here. So we have the um, situation where uh, I am very uh, doubtful that there will ever be much development in East Gainesville at all. There would have to be some sort of gigantic. Reconfiguration. For one thing, the infrastructure would have to change tremendously. You can't get there from anywhere. Uh, what has happened with east-west trans, uh, movement in this city uh, has been shut down by cul-de-sac, cut down uh, by traffic circles, and narrowing streets and, and and speed bumps and the like. And you can't get there from here. Uh, about the only east-west. Uh, thoroughfare is 39th Avenue and it's too far north to actually get into the community. Uh, it needs to have something along 8th Avenue because 8th Avenue puts you directly in the middle of East Gainesville. Ironically, in the middle of some of the most troubled spots in that uh, culture. And uh, there's, uh, you know you're, you're pretty safe. You can't get there from West Gainesville easily. So nothing goes there. It's isolated and nothing's going to go there. Uh, Tony Jones, who was put into the chief of police position without a background check, and there's a reason for that. We're not going to go into it, but without a background check, uh, is supposedly the guy who's going to straighten all this up, absolutely, completely ineffective. Uh, Nothing nothing really going on there. Uh, There's even reason to, you know, these kids, these guys now, the the guys who work in the state attorney's office, Derry uh, Lloyd, uh, uh, Tony, Jones. these kids all go back together to, to when they were little kids. They all know each other. The G.G. Simmons and they all they all know both sides of the streets. If you get my if you get my drift here, they all know both sides of the street. OK, and it's pretty hard to understand why they wouldn't therefore be causes for good rather than not. And be effective since they do know the streets. They were raised on the streets with these guys. They know them. But you know, I don't know what is keeping that from happening. Um, The liberal whites, of course, don't help. The liberal whites want to defund the cops. Um, This one woman on the city commission who's a Cuban communist, I'm told. uh, Cico or something like that. Cinco or something. uh, You know, is against the quote-unquote militarization of the police force. I mean, come on, what are you going to do? Walk these beats with a, nothing. And that's the kind of crap that has uh, infiltrated the policymaking of the policymakers. And uh, so you were, you were stuck on dead center here. And every once in a while, there's an event that kind of lets the cat out of the bag. And the fact that this grocery store pulled out of East Gainesville it's not surprising. I'm surprised it ever even was enticed to go in there in the first place, for God's sakes. I mean, I don't know what carrot and stick they offer, but there ain't going to be no financial viability that, to that. And, and, and uh, you know, you're not going to make it economically with a farmer's market type deal, you know, and the markup on food is very small. You got to run it very effectively. And, uh, you know, there's a small gro- a grocery chain here that does quite well, of course. It has a long history of sound management, and that's Hitchcock's. But they won't even go in there. They've stuck their finger, their toe in the water, and they won't go in there. So, uh, it, you know, I don't know. They've tried everything. Basically, what they did for East Gainesville was they put government buildings in there. And they thought maybe if we put the government, over, which they didn't do, if they really wanted to have helped Gainesville, they would have put the courthouse and all that business, which is downtown, they would have put that over on the east side, and then people would have forced, been forced to go over there. There would have been restaurants grow up around it and all this and that and one and another. But no, they didn't do that. They stuck that thing right in the middle of downtown, and that killed off anybody going over to the east side um, and on, over to the east side of the county. But they did put a, they had a spasm of government buildings. They put the health department over there. They put another building, in. They're not much, um, not enough to really draw people there. So there's a number of things that are killing it. Uh, you can't get there from anywhere. Uh, you've got the same perceptions of the culture that you've had ever since the federal government broke up the community with integration, which is an irony, a big irony, because that was supposed to improve everybody's life. Um, and you'll even talk to good black folk in East Gainesville, will say it didn't. It had the opposite effect. And, and so there's nobody with the leadership skills that I see who will straighten it out. Unfortunately, the blacks are being used by their bad leaders playing the old uh, racist drum, the Evelyn Foxes and those people whom I know all those ladies very well. But they play the racist drum every time there's something wrong. It's racism. That ain't going to get it. That ain't going to cut it. Come on. That's history. You know, you've got anybody from any race or culture at all can do anything he or she wants to. And the opportunities are all there. All you got to do is take advantage of them. Come on, get off that stuff. But, you know, these old people haven't died off yet. And it's going to it, it, until they die off, they're going to continue to play the only card they know. And that's the race card. And it is the most destructive card you can play. Um, it just drives people away. And um, and they don't want anything to do with it. They don't want anything to do with those people. They don't trust them. I feel bad for them. I mean, I know Evelyn Fox very, very well. I feel bad for her that she's still sucked into the same rap. And, and, you know, it's, and, you know, you take Clovis Watson Jr., a black sheriff is being uh, 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 hounded by these people, is being hounded by, by, you know, all over this jail thing with a woman born. And, and, you know, that, that was a crock to start with. And it, the, his own people are turning on him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty sick. I mean, it's a pretty sick situation. And I don't see any much way it's going to be dug out. I'm going to take a little break here. Uh, um, I'm asking my production person to put his face on the screen so I can see what's going on. Um, and also, I'm going to stay out a little bit longer after we do our break. I hope the production will play a little bit of things. So, can't see him can't hear him got a substitute for Evan today so uh i'm assuming i'm gonna be right back in a moment this is ward scott and i want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills the ward scott files premium sponsors are crime prevention security systems large enough to serve you small enough to care the ward scott files gold sponsors are on the spot dry cleaners Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardsgodfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352 284 3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, r &R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.WardScottFiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page, or call my friend Freddy at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. All right, Professor Ward Scott here again in the Warthog man cave and talking in my left ear, of course, was my production guys. Um, substituting from my old production guy who's a little bit under the weather today. And so um uh we've got a little bit of different arrangement, but they're all good, they're all good guys, so they know what they're doing, and I just need to be on the queue and be on the same page, and we are. We're back, we ran the ad a couple of times. We want to thank everybody supporting us, we want to thank the donors. Um the um Lesson today really is a is a review for the test because tomorrow's January 6th. If you missed it, the first half hour I just gave on the summation East Gainesville uh, is absolutely brilliant. I I make no apologies for it. Um, I mean, you know, Russ Limbaugh never apologized for being as good as he was. And the summation I gave on East Gainesville as good as anybody could give. I don't know anybody around here could do any better. And you can put in your pipe and smoke it. And it's my opinion, just my opinion. But my summation of that is it's a long day before you really get a thriving East Gainesville for a number of reasons, a lot of which were out of control of the local community. Some of which, though, are in the control of the local community, and most of which is being uh, misrepresented by the current people in power in this community, who are essentially white ideological driven liberals. Um, I want to have a review for the test, and uh, I'm going to go through because tomorrow's January 6th. I'm going to go through the history with you for the next half hour of what's led up to January 6th. Uh, I want to start off with something that uh, you may or may not agree with right now. But uh, I'm going to present it for you. And uh, We had this uh, individual on our show. He's the president of the uh, American Scholars Association. He's an anthropology professor at Boston University. Uh, and. Um, his name is Peter Wood, and I say that with fear and trepidation because uh, the last time I said his name, they took us down, took that program down. You will not see that program out on on the on our on our archives. Really amazing when you think about it. And um, uh, but he, he wrote a book called Wrath, The American Enraged, and it was a it was a response to where we are right now, one day away from this January 6th. And his position was at the popular will of the Americans. Uh, has been thwarted by a combination of careerist elites, and a, a careerist. A good example of a careerist elite is an, another none other than no old, old Joe Biden. Um, let me just reference here. Excuse me while I slide out of view here. Um, something. Let me just reference something here that I ran across about Joe Biden, and he is he is a definitely he is a careerist elite. Uh, this is written by William McGurn a while back. I pulled it out of my midnight auto yard. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Um, <clears throat> do you know, have you ever thought about this? What was the definition, students, of a career elite in politics in D.C.? Okay, I think we've got a definition here that's been offered to us by William McGurn. Did you know that Joe Biden was had been in the Senate for 36 years? OK, 36 years. Um, wow. It's uh, it's incre- it's incredible that this guy uh, has been what I call sucking at the public trough all that time. And he's been as bad as Weathervane Lee this entire time in that when uh, the opinion was for war, he was for war. And when the opinion was for peace, he was for peace. I'm talking now I'm quoting from the Unknown Citizen by William Auden. Um, So he was known in the Senate. And this is a career elitist now who's now your president as an affable colleague who was willing to work to get the deal done, Mr. McGurn says Um, he uh, uh, now is president. However, he dozes off, he loses his place. He mispronounces uh, some foreign names. He drones on the long, boring stories. Um, And he's, of course, stirred up questions about his mental capacity. Um, But in the Senate, all of these things just make you, according to Mr. McGurn, who's writing this article, one of the boys. I mean, this has been going on. This is this has been the behavior of senators forever. I mean, there's so much boring stuff. That goes on in these chambers. That these old boys will doze off, or they'll lose their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the there's there's eighty eight year old Senator Diane Feinstein. Um, she she's ancient. Uh, I mean, come on, they've been around there supping at the public trough forever. Um, every once in a while, somebody questions their mental faculties. But as long as they can show up to vote, nothing happens to them, huh? You can literally wheel them out, according to McGurn. Or you can wheel them out to vote. And that's really all we need. Uh, so they're not in the public eye. Uh, they they, they uh, uh, really appear to be perfectly con- content to let somebody else set the agenda. They've been around forever, uh, Maxine, the Mad Maxine has been there forever. Pelosi's been there forever in the House. So um, uh, they, they are really a uh, uh, hard push to be even known by the public. Most of the public doesn't even know who these people are. And over Biden's long career, McGurn writes that he has flip-flopped on a variety of public policies. He's flip-flopped on Iraq war. Uh, and he's getting by with this stuff because nobody knows how he behaved in the Senate. He was there for so long 36 years and dozed off so frequently and flip flopped so much nobody knew. And the guy is a perfect example of what Chauncey Gardner was uh, in the Yerzy Kaczynski book. Uh, Chauncey Gardner was elected because nobody knew him. And when he did speak, he only spoke in cliches and and um, everybody therefore thought they knew what he meant because they were left to fill in the cliche. So um, Biden is flip flopped. Uh, he's uh, he, you know, he's uh, he, he was for federal funding for abortion. Um, he was uh, in the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act. He he was he, he was for that once it became safe to be for that. Um he has um he's been in almost half a century. Can you believe it? Um there were there were uh, you know John McCain was another one. Uh and McCain, you know, was called out by Trump. And of course, that's ended up in McCain's daughter is hating Trump and being a spearhead to try to bring him down. Um, um and and they all knew that if they just all these guys, according to McGurn, if they just waited their turn, okay. If old Joe Biden just waited his turn, sooner or later, he'd get to run for president. It happened to Bob Dole uh, when he was 73. Uh, He became the Republican nominee. McCain was 72 when he did 12 years later. And in 2020, Biden was 77. And um, he uh, really, it's like McGurn says, the guy waiting around, And finally getting his gold watch for longevity and service. Um, That is about as good a description of what a a career elite is in government. You've got one. You've got one in the case of of, um, Biden. And he's not the only one. My God, the chamber's filled with them. So um, these people make deals and Ended up, according to the the conjecture or the position by Peter Wood, of thwarting the popular will. And let me tell you that that's one of the reasons that people were unsettled who came to D.C. for this uh, January 6th thing. They felt the popular will had been thwarted. And uh, you realize that uh, uh, Trump was elected by a popular type of wave uh, that no one in the elite world of corporate elitism or political elitism ever ever thought would happen. And even poo pooed They made jokes about it. Oh my god, he, you know, he's not got a snowball chance in hell of being president. And the next thing you know, he's president. They hated that. He was not in the progressive elite uh, club. And uh So the Americans, uh, Peter Wood says, many see themselves as having been denied a legitimate voice in their own governance because like it or not like it, Trump kept talking to the people and he kept putting down the career elitists. And that resonated with the people. Well, let me let me let me line up the Civil War for you. You've kind of got a civil war going on right now between the popular will and the will of the career elitists. And the career elitists control the press, they control the military, they control the universities, uh, they control—they're trying to control the, the courts, and uh, you, you know, it goes on and on. And and uh, the 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 thorn right now is they've got some rebellious states that have their own legislatures and have their own governors, and they're trying to put them down and get them under control. You know, this this rings so much of the Civil War pre-days that I've been talking about for a long time. As a scholar, you can go back and look at the years leading up to the so-called Civil War, which the South called the War Against Yankee Aggression. And by the way, the word Yankee came from Native American language, and what Yankee means in Native American language is English snake, because the Yankees betrayed the Native Americans. It wasn't the Southerners. It was the Northerners who betrayed the Native Americans and, and took advantage of them and, and betrayed them in treaties and agreements and all that stuff. Uh, you know, that, that's just... The, that, but you don't read about that. So there's always been... Uh, the possibility now in communism is called the Politburo. Uh, you know, it's got a name in China uh, because I don't care how you cut, slice the bread, it ends up there being elites. Unless you could ever construct a a government that was pure and uh, had good intentions, it, it you know, and I don't know where one exists. Well, you probably have to go to the local level to find it. And, you know, down to the city, not Gainesville, but maybe the Newberry, uh, maybe the more the smaller you get, the more local you get. Maybe you can find it. Uh, So this is uh, many Americans now leading up to this January 6th thing. But that's not the narrative you're going to hear from the Pelosi group. Uh, You see, the Pelosi's think that they have been accessible uh, to the people. And that their voice in governance is legitimate. They don't. They don't even begin to 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 understand uh, what you're talking about when you have a a, a, dis, a, 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 a a dismay with the government. Now, Molly Hemingway, and I'm going to go through these things for the. All this stuff will be on the test. So, <clears throat> my first point was what built up the wrath. What built up the wrath that you saw expressed January 6th. It just didn't materialize out of a biblical dust cloud. Okay. What built it up? Well, what built it up was uh, the deniability of governance to hear the popular voice. So I'll put that in there as something you may refute in an essay question. All right. Now, This is also exacerbated by the first time ever in this election, partisan groups were allowed to participate in the election. And the biggest uh, example of which, and I, by the way, I think it's gonna take years for all this to come out. It's going to take years, maybe 50 years of historical research before you will see uh, that a major part of the 2020 election, Was to use COVID as a pretext, Molly Hemingway writing this, uh, was to use COVID as a pretext to maximize absentee and early voting. Uh, That is what changed the election, and it was enormously successful. Okay? COVID came along and was used by Zuckerbucks to maximize. This will be the only answer you can give on the test. that will be the right answer because I'll be asking you, what does Molly Hemingway think was the reason? And you will only be able to give that answer and get full credit. She thinks that COVID gave a pretext to maximize absentee and early voting. And then I have a true or false question I'll give you. Was this successful or not successful? And the answer is, well, it was successful. It got a Senate uh, political elitist who was a do-nothing for 36 years senator except change with the weather got him to be president. So um, uh, you have a, an army of progressive activists at the ground level being led by Zuckerbucks who are influencing this election. And uh, it's well known now it's coming out more and more And we were the ones who disclosed it locally here very early that his goal was to help Democrats censor political opponents. And the way he did it was by saying that political opponents were guilty of misinformation. Okay, guilty of misinformation. So Zuckerberg, who ironically has got us all by the short hair because we're using this Facebook platform right now, which is tenuous to start with. Uh, because we have no alternative and we're subject to any kind of uh, interpretation by them of, of something that is misinformation, you don't get to, to, to put your two cents in on these definitions. So he uh, funded liberal groups to run partisan get-out-the-vote operations, and it made a big difference in, King, in key swing states and even in key swing precincts. So we know it was about a four hundred million dollar deal that we know already. Okay, we know that already. Uh, How much of that uh, uh, influenced uh, what happened now? um, Locally, we got uh, 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 the supervisor elections here got seven hundred thousand dollars. And I tell you, until we broke the story, nobody around here knew it. And I can still go up to this uh, and tap people on the shoulder who are influential people, otherwise influential people in this community, and ask them if they know about and they'll give me a blank stare. And I tell them, well, did you know that private money uh, was used to do what? Proliferate the use of absentee ballots, which then when you look at the questionnaire that Barton answered, the supervisor elections, she didn't have any accountability for. Now, you can't say, and get away with it. Oh, well, therefore, it was all fraudulently done. But you can imagine because of the way in which the counties uh, received the money and the way in which the counties' vote swung. Um, there was, of course, in Georgia, uh, according to the Foundation for Government Accountability, Georgia received more than $31 billion in Zucker books. It's one of the highest amounts in the country. Uh, And the three Georgia counties that received the most money spent only 1.3% of it on personal protective equipment, which was supposedly to prevent COVID from screwing up the election. The rest of that money was spent on salaries, laptops, vehicle rentals. That happened here locally. Uh, Attorney's fees for public records requests, mail-in voting, other measures that that made it possible to hire activists to work the election. So the subsidy by the Zuckerberg people allowed the supervisor of elections in these critical areas to hire activists to supplement the voting procedures. Um, and the Trump counting votees, and the Trump uh, voting counties, they received an average of $1.91 per registered voter. This is according to the research of the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, the FGA, and, and let me repeat it, and this will be on the test. You can use your notes. Trump County, uh, voting counties received an average of $1.91 per registered voter. Are you ready for this? Compared to $7.13 per registered voter in Biden voting counties. Oh, my golly, my goodness, my gracious. Can you believe it? I mean, can you believe it? Um, now, Trump won Georgia by more than five points in 2016, okay? He lost it by three-tenths of a point, three-tenths of a point in 2020. And on average, as a share of the two-party vote, most counties moved Democratic by less than one percentage point in that time, Counties that didn't receive Zuckerbucks showed hardly any movement, however, but counties that did receive zuckerbucks moved 2.3 percentage points towards the Democratic side from that which had happened in 2016. So, uh, you know, this is, I'm telling you, it's going to take more lifetime than I've got and some of you who are listening before all this is researched in hindsight uh, 50 years from now. Provided it's th- that you're able to go to to, to to get the data and research. You know, hopefully, you know, you can still get your hands on it. Um, of all the places in 2020, according to Molly Hemingway and the, uh, the foundation, uh, Wisconsin is where uh, Zuckerberg Bucks worked the best. Uh, got a good friend watching here, I think, who's from Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, Zuckerberg probably worked the best. Um, the uh, Zuckerbuck world distributed $6.3 million to the Wisconsin cities of Racine, Green Bay, Madison, which is a huge liberal enclave, Milwaukee, and Keneshaw. Uh, The reason they did it purportedly was to ensure that voting could take place, quote, in accordance with prevailing anti-COVID public health requirements, End quote, which meant that you would proliferate absentee voting and that would lead to ballot harvesting. So Wisconsin law says that voting is a right, but that, quote, voting by absentee ballot must be carefully regulated to prevent the potential for fraud or abuse to prevent overzealous solicitation of absent electors who may prefer not to participate in elections. That's a quote. Wisconsin law. Wisconsin law also says that elections are to be run by clerks or other government officials. But here's the rub, my friends, my students, the five cities that received Zucker bucks outsourced much of their election operation to private liberal groups. And in one case, so extensively that a sidelined government official who wasn't allowed to participate quit in frustration. All this was by design, okay? Cities that received grants were not allowed to use the money to fund outside help unless the Zuckerberg specifically approved their plans in writing. So it was tight control of how the money was spent. Uh, All this you understand a lot of people didn't know the chapter and verse of this but they smelled a rat and they went to Now they're trying to blame it on Trump. You know, it's gonna take 50 or 60 years to reveal all of this and to quote unquote, put Trump in a different light than the progressive left is trying to put him in right now. The progressive left puts none of its people in a negative light. Have you noticed that? None, nobody, nobody. So it's, uh, as I say, You know, this is a little review, and I'm not going to be able to cover it all. I'm going to take up a little bit more of it tomorrow. What has led to the frustration of the American people who went to to D.C. Uh, So uh, uh, this is the Center for Civic Design. Um, All these crowds, they, uh, they, uh, um, you know, I'm not even going to get into the machines and, you know, all that business. I'm just talking and focusing on one thing, and that is what I call the COVID cover-up. The COVID gave cover for the proliferation of ballots, which could could not be uh, accountable. Uh, you, know, you couldn't hold, you, you couldn't account for the authenticity of um, that. That is pretty pretty clear, and uh, it is coming out more and more and more. Okay, I'm going to save that and put that back in the midnight auto yard. I just want to uh, give you. Uh, I'm not going to have time to cover everything with you. It doesn't look, but I want to just go to Georgia for a moment. I got my good buddy, Ken Hillier on here uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Ken, uh, the Georgia secretary, this has just come out in Breitbart. Uh, the Georgia secretary of state, Brad Raffensberger, announced yesterday that he has initiated a probe into possible illegal ballot harvesting in the 2020 election. Okay. Now, you probably won't read this in your in your mainstream media who are all part of the creation and the proliferation of the quote unquote approved narrative. Um, former President Trump lost the state of Georgia by a 12000 vote margin. Um, the uh, True the vote submitted a complaint as an organization called True the Vote, which is putting pressure on officials to validate uh, these numbers. Uh, submitted a complaint to Raffenberger's office on November 30th that details digital data of 242 people making visits to drop boxes to dump mail-in ballots, with about 40% of the trips occurring between midnight and 5 a.m. Now <laughs> the true to vote evidence also reported includes phone data that correlates with video. That shows individuals dropping ballots at 5,662 ballot drops during this 2020 pandemic. So, uh, a True to the Vote document uh, is uh, tracking cell phones, uh, tracking uh, a number of things that can be tracked, be traced, multiple trips to multiple drop boxes, which raise—and uh, this is the careful language raise potential legal questions. Um, So, Raffensburg says um, he's going to open a probe into the security of elections. Now, uh, this is uh, coming on the heels of Governor Brian Kemp, who decided not to open an investigation into the matter last spring. Uh, But Raffensburg and Kemp have come under heavy fire from Trump. For not conducting thorough investigations into this alleged election fraud, um, so this is big news in Georgia, uh, from what I understand. And I'm just getting this information now. Um, the uh, 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 you're going to hear a lot more uh, discussion about um, you know what 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 is going on with, with because the Democrats are going to holler. It's all about voter suppression, and it's not. Hey, we're out of time, and this is just a thorough beginning of a review for the test. I want to thank production for helping out today. I want to thank all you all for checking in. Please share the show. Share, share, share. This is the only note in the bottle that gets off the island. Have a great day. Warhol Command Center, Manly Command Center, in the Melbourne Law Studio, out.